Imagine More is a weekly podcast that explores the stories, passions, successes, and failures of young, unconventional entrepreneurs. Chantel works to uncover the person behind the passion and unpack the ingredients of their entrepreneurial minds. What is it that makes them imagine more? Hey there, and welcome back to the Imagine More podcast. Today, we're so excited to welcome Sam, the head relationship builder at Sadly Watches. They're a wine-inspired American luxury watch brand, and they're based here in Atlanta, Georgia. He joined the company in 2013 and has the has had the unique challenge of balancing corporate life and entrepreneurship, and I'm looking forward to diving in and learning more about this journey. Hi, Sam. Welcome to the Imagine More podcast. Hey, how are you? It's great to be here. Yeah, of course. We're so excited and lucky to have you on the show. I know that you've had, just from some offline conversations, some really exciting moments as an entrepreneur and figuring out this business. And I can't wait to dive in and learn a little bit more about it, as long as well as the audience. Can you kick things off and tell everyone a little bit more about Sablier and um, how you got started? How did this idea come about? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, so my name is Sam Konigsberg, and uh, I'm the the head relationship builder is my official title at Sablier Watches. Um, it's a really interesting story. It actually started about 20 years ago when my partner, who is a Taiwanese immigrant, actually came to the U.S. Uh, chasing a girl. He had fallen in love in Taiwan. He uh, served his two years of mandatory military service, uh, moved to the U.S. actually against the wishes of his parents moved to Los Angeles, realized when he got here that the relationship was actually not going to work. Um, he came over here as an engineer, but when it uh, when the relationship fizzled out, he said, well, wait a sec, I actually can't go back to Taiwan uh, and have everybody you know, tell me that they told me so. I've got to figure this out. So he said, you know, I've got this great engineering background, but I've always had a passion for arts. So why don't I go back to school and get a master's in fine arts? So his deciding factor was how far away from Los Angeles can I possibly get? So he actually looked at SCAD (laughs) in Savannah and he looked at Rochester Institute of Technology in New York. He had no idea uh, New York, uh, especially upstate New York was as cold as it is, but he moved there and got a master's in fine arts uh, from Rochester Institute of Technology. And back then that was the heyday of Xerox and Bosch and Lam and Kodiak. And so they were pouring resources into the school. He got a great education and he brought together his, um, his passions for art and, um, and engineering. And so he quickly uh, was hired as a medical device engineer, moved to Princeton, New Jersey, and, um, became very successful as a medical device engineer, patenting, Uh, machines to work with the body. And that was his full study was, how do we take this machine and make it usable for the human element is what he calls it. And so he got married, uh, started having a family and was doing well, was collecting watches and things like that. And uh, he kept complaining over and over and over and said, you know, to his wife, he's like, hey, listen, you know, these watches are nice and they're expensive and all this and that and the other, but they've got two fundamental flaws right? He said they're uncomfortable to wear and they're hard to read, right? And over and over again, he'd be having this problem. And so one night his wife looked at him and said, look, you're an engineer, build your own watch. And that was about 10 years ago uh, when he went on this journey. And uh, it was really amazing how he's done it. But this is a guy who's literally never taken a watch building class in his entire life. 
and redesign the watch to work uh, as only a medical device engineer who studies the body and builds machines for the body could do it. So he and I met uh, in Princeton, New Jersey, when I was up there working uh, in finance. And, uh, and so we, we hit it off and we've got a really unique story, but that's, that's how it started was uh, an engineer looking at a watch and saying, we can make this better. And uh, with having no uh, formal training saying, I'm going to attack this from a totally different angle. And today we have Sablier watches. That's amazing. That's really fascinating. And and when you met him, did he initially lead with, hey, I'm starting this watch company? Or, you know, he was perhaps just wearing one of his watches. Did he ever anticipate trying to bring it to the masses? No, it's a great question. So he he made this watch for himself. And he said, I want to build the perfect watch that I can have for myself and for those that I love. He really had no commercial ambitions for the watch. And I didn't meet him uh, until after I had, uh, in, until after I was in need of a watch, really. I was in finance, I gave a, an, an investment presentation to a group of older investors. And after the presentation, I was like, you know, a little bit younger, I was like, oh, I killed this thing. I pulled my phone out to check the time and I just felt the air grow out of the room. And they were like, I can't believe this kid doesn't have a watch, yada, yada. I went back to Princeton and I said, you know what? I'll never have that experience again. I wasn't a watch guy. My dad didn't wear watches. Um, so I just was going to get the standard used, you know, Rolex or Omega or something like that. Well, I walk into a jeweler uh, and it's actually at that time, the only jeweler that his watch was in, he had just come to market. And um, I walked in and I'd never had an experience where a, a physical item uh, had literally grabbed me. I walk in and his watch is sitting on the shelf and it just, it stops time. Uh, and I've never had that experience before. And I just said, you know, I know nothing about watches. That is the most beautiful watch that I've ever seen in my life. What's the story? And the guy said, well, you know, it's actually made by a local guy. He's a medical device engineer. I said, can I please have his cell phone? And so I, I call him up and I said, uh, hi, Kun Chi Wu. This is Sam Konigsberg. You have no idea who I am, but I'd love to take you to lunch and hear about your watch. And we went to lunch and I heard his story and he, uh, you know, he had put all of his time and money and resources in, into uh, building the first line of the watch. Uh, he speaks broken English and he really needed someone to build his business and tell his story. And so one lunch turned into two lunches, turned into 10 lunches. He had agreed to, uh, to allow me to come on board, but I needed to convince his wife. Uh, his <laughs> wife was, a, she was a tough, tough cookie and I, and I love her to death. Um, but she shook me out for about 12 months. Uh, it wasn't until we're having dinner at their house one night. And this is like my fifth attempt to say, can I please join? And, um, his daughter at the time who was about seven years old said, Sam, you know, what do you, what do you like to do for exercise? And I said, jump rope. And uh, she said, well, I'd like to jump rope. And I said, well, I've got my jump rope because I was training for, um, you know, for different events and stuff. I said, well, I got my jump rope in my trunk. I said, do you want to go outside and jump rope? And so I'm in my suit and tie and we're jumping rope in the front uh, front yard. And uh, I walked back inside after like 10 minutes of jumping rope. And my partner, my now partner's wife said, okay, you can join the company. That was it. Um, so that's how it began. And that was about five years ago. That is amazing. We, as a team, are just rereading the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Have you read that book? 
Dale Carnegie, mm-hmm. it is my favorite. It is mine too. And there's a whole section on speaking to other people's interests and really trying to kind of learn more about them and what makes them tick. And I think you just hit the nail on the head with like her daughter was probably one of the more important things in her life. And you created mm-hmm. a connection authentically. She sensed that and then she trusted you, which I think there's a valuable lesson. Yeah. And, and to this day, she's, uh, she's 13 and, and, uh, that their uh, that family's actually since moved to Atlanta so we could be closer to grow this business. And, uh, uh the daughter and I have got a great relationship. She's a wonderful girl. And, um, it's just, it's been an awesome partnership, but also friendship between me and, and my partner and his family. Mm-hmm. Well, I think probably a little bit goes into the length and kind of that courtship, if you will, of, you know, hey, we need to trust each other. Let's learn more about each other and not jumping the gun on them just letting you in right away. You know, that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you put your heart and soul and energy and effort into bringing a watch to market and um, and all that goes into that, you know, um, for those of, in the audience who don't know, you know, building a, a watch or any other physical product um, of substance, you're, you're having to put all of the money in up front to build the product. And if it's something like our watch that is totally bespoke and custom and, and has not been made before, you know, you're not operating with pieces just off the shelf in a watch factory. Every single piece is being customly made and so customly casted. And so all of those expenses add up and all of the time and sweat and energy that goes into it. Um, as the creator, you're not about to just let someone walk in and buy a piece of the business. And, and I totally understood that. And so, you know, the way that we had structured it was first built on trust and, uh, and, and on the understanding that, you know, um, since we were going to do this as a, as a moonlight, project because he still is a medical device engineer and I still work in finance that we were going to literally give it our best. And that if there was a single watch that came back, that wasn't absolutely perfect, we were going to send it back. And so, um, we, we had made that agreement, uh, to quality. We had made the agreement to each other and our families. And, um, and that's really what, what brought us together over time. And so, um, it, it's been awesome, but it was certainly, certainly was a courtship. And I would just encourage anyone who's considering a business, it, you really are marrying your partner and your partner's, you know, family, and they're marrying your spouse. And uh, it, it's really an, a very integrated thing, um, you know, especially in the beginning. Absolutely. So fast forward 10 years, um, how, how have you been able to, I suppose, stay um, passionate while also work, so I imagine you kind of want to dive headfirst into this and um, grow the business. But you you just mentioned that you've maintained your job in finance. How have you been able to reserve the energy for starting a company? Yeah, it's a great question. So he he first um, he first got the patent for this watch. Uh, this watch is actually it's it's inspired by wine. Um, and it's, it's a watch that has no edges. So as a medical device engineer, he said, I'm going to build a watch that's super comfortable to wear. I have to remove structurally every single edge from the watch, and I need to make the watch uh, very uh, legible and easy to read. So we actually got the patent on the world's first and only concave crystal watch. So we, we hold that patent through 2029. So when I joined five years ago, 
just like any other patent, um, the most value you can have is the, you know, is in the, the, the window and the life cycle of the patent. So we had gotten off to, uh, and have gotten off to a fast start, but, um, as you said, you know, working 60 to 70 hours a week in a very, um, intense, um, uh, you know, sector, uh, was was difficult uh, but what was very interesting and what kept me afloat were a couple things uh, the first was my my finance job was very very focused and very very specialized and so i was doing uh, a few tasks repeatedly over and over and over and i didn't have as much of a creative side uh, on the on the on sablier it was almost all creative energy so i took my my head down kind of focused um energy from finance and the creative energy needed from the watch and i was actually able to share those with one another uh, which was really great so even when i was very tired of doing uh my nine to five finance job, I had the energy to do the creative work required for the watch. And I learned from each uh, different business venture uh, and shared best practices among each of those. And so that kind of creative energy powered me to, to have uh, the focus and energy to, to pursue the watch. Um, and then of course, a huge shout out to my wife. Um, she's been phenomenally supportive from day one, given the fact that you know, I do work a lot and uh, without her support, there's no way I could do this. So um, I've needed to continue to work to maintain equity and to continue to build the brand because we are, uh, because you pay for everything up front, because you pay for all the watch materials and shipping and packaging and marketing and all those things. Uh, if you want to maintain equity, you, you've got to be able to put dollars in. And so the the finance job has been the uh, the bike shop that has been powering the plane, uh, if you will, at night. So it's been it's been good. Certainly. And did you find that there was any crossover in perhaps demographic? You know, you could gift this to clients or encourage clients to to purchase. I mean, I remember when you mentioned in your story that you saw it, it kind of stopped you in your tracks. Are you that perfect persona and customer for the brand now? I am. Uh, I, I'd like to think that, like, I am my own target market. I, in my finance job, I don't, I don't talk about the watch proactively at all. I try to keep those those things separately. But I do have clients that have asked me about it. Certainly, friends and, and family and things like that that have asked me about it. But we we target um, we really target those that are uh, that want something different. Um, anyone can get a you know a Rolex Omega Cartier tag. Those are those are all watches that are you know readily available to everyone, and most folks have those. We really target folks that are looking for a bespoke uh, watch that that has its own soul, has its own story, that's different, that is um, that is functionally better than what they're used to, and um, and it's great because when one of our customers connects with our Saplier watch, it's almost instant and immediate. And so we have taken the time to really reinvest into our clients uh, because when it comes to marketing, we cannot punch toe to toe with a you know, Rolex or a Cartier. So what we do is we just take extra special care of our clients. 
We take extra special care of our partners who sell our watch. So uh, we've got jewelers up and down the East Coast that sell our watch. And then we do things like uh, charitable events. That's how we do most of our marketing. So we've done a couple events in Atlanta. We've done two wine auctions uh, at the Atlanta High Museum for benefit of the high. And so you're able to put your watch in front of you know, 1,200 people that are all wine lovers and lovers of really nice things and very cool stories and are, you know, entrepreneurs themselves, a lot of them, and uh, and give a watch away, you know, for, for benefit of charity while also, you know, telling your story to, to the audience. Um, we also did something recently with Brawl for a Cause uh, that was in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And so we love to, you know, partner locally. We love to be able to give back. Um, as much as we possibly can and, and really build that, that thousand strong, uh, you know, uh, followership. And that's what we've been able to do. That's great. Now, when you, when you joined the team as a, as a partner, was the wine element already incorporated into the design? Yeah. And, and that was one of the final reasons why I, I decided to come on board was, uh, you know, the world doesn't need another watch. You know, we've got plenty of watches out there and although we've got a, you know, a very cool watch and, a, you know, it's, it's functional and it's, it's excellent, it's beautiful, you know, for me, it was like, what, you know, what are we, what are we actually doing here? And uh, my partner said, you know, we talk about the watch being very comfortable and easy to read, but also we want to point to what we believe is true luxury. For him, he, uh, whenever he would watch watch advertising. It was always the car, the yacht, the girl, all these different things that were tied to luxury in the watch. And he just said, you know, that that's not really how I define luxury. You know, luxury to me is spending time with loved ones because you, you cannot purchase good time, right? Time well spent. You just, you can't buy more of that. And so um, he said, whenever I'm in good company, I'm usually sharing a glass of wine and I'm savoring the conversation. I'm savoring the glass of wine. I'm savoring these relationships. He's like, I really want to teach that philosophy through the watch. And so, you know, when I heard that, that really connected with me to say, you know, this is bigger than, than me. This is bigger than, you know, um, putting a watch on someone else's wrist and, um, and owning a piece of the business. I said, this is something that I believe in that I personally share the philosophy with. And so we took that, uh, that philosophy and we use the wine uh, as symbolism for that. And so on our watch, we have things like, um, you know, our case is shaped after a wine glass. It's cut from a single piece of surgical grade steel, which is extremely difficult, difficult to do. Uh, our crystal is concave, which is the only one in the world, which looks like the bottom of a wine glass. Our second hand is actually a corkscrew uh, that goes with a wine glass shape. Uh, we also have colors in wine. We've got champagne, we've got burgundy, we've got rosé. We've got other traditional colors like white, black, and blue. But um, we also do things like uh, we've got a cork band, a, 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 a wristband made of wine cork, which took us two years to get right. So those are the type of wine elements that are uh, in our watch and they really point to the philosophy that we share for, for true luxury. I think that's such a unique differentiator. And I love the, the thoughtfulness between time well spent and savoring each moment. I think from a marketing standpoint, you guys have hit the nail on the head. So I think 
It's mouth. Well, thank you. Yeah, and we and we and we believe it too, right? Which makes it even better, right? You know? I'm, I am now craving a glass of wine and a beautiful watch. So I think you guys are doing something right. Yeah, Can you uh, touch on a little bit of the, you know, your sales strategy and, and distribution from a go-to-market standpoint? I mean, you're new to your creating a product. How did you get it in front of more eyeballs with the exception of or outside of the charity events and such? Yeah, so a lot of it is, um, it's really interesting. There's there's so much innovation right now in not just the watch uh, space, but just in the way people buy physical product. And so um, we are a boutique luxury watch. And so we want to be associated with the best uh, brands and jewelers that that carry great watches. And so um, we had received a couple international design awards for the watch. Um, we had been featured in Forbes and, um, and in um, Bloomberg and a couple other magazines. And so we basically took that momentum and went to a bunch of different jewelers and just said, look, like you're always looking for that differentiated something that you can share with your best clients. You know, these are all uh, watches that are designed in the U.S., patented in the U.S. You know, they're, they're made in Switzerland. They're, they're inspected back here again. And we offered uh, geographic exclusivity to our partners and said, listen, if you, if you take us on, um, you're not, we're not going to go down the road and, and partner with another jeweler. So we gave our, our jewelers geographic exclusivity to their city and, um, and to their region of the city. And we just worked with them to tell our story. And we learned their story. We learned what was important to them. And so through our partner jewelers, we've been able to grow our brand. Um, and these are a lot of times boutique uh, jewelers that, that really have a great client base, that, that know their clients, that know the, the wants of their clients. And, uh, and it's just been great. And that's, that's how we've done it. But it's been, it's been a lot of hard you know, knocking doors and making introductions and a lot of no's. But then we've had a lot of yeses, too. So just just marching through that. It's really exciting. How did you, when you were meeting your business partner, how did you define roles and leverage strengths? I mean, is it something very early on you guys started talking, hey, my strength is sales, yours is design, this is how we should operate? Or has it over the past 10 years really kind of um, fleshed itself out naturally? Well, it, it's probably more of the former. We, we, we knew going in, I mean, you know, he's still to this day, uh, his English has improved, but it's still broken English, right? We, my background was in, uh, you know, consulting. And so my, my job is to be in front of clients and to, uh, as to understand their needs and to, you know, if, if there's a way to help, help them. It, it's similar with this watch business, which is, you know, he's a, he's a great engineer. He does all the engineering work. Um, he does a lot of the uh, quality control and design, really a lot of the back office. And then I'm really all business development. And so we've, I, I have certainly learned from him over time though. I mean, he has got a couple um, mental structures that he uses to make decisions that I've taken and applied to growing our business. And I would say vice versa. He's certainly learned uh, some things from me and he's, uh, he, we've, we've got very, um, synergistic, uh, energies with one another and skill sets. So it's been a little easier to define roles. I think that the harder thing that, that we've had to work through is, okay, well, what if there's a skill set required for this business that neither of us have? 
and how do we outsource that and how do we find the right person to do that and and we've um you know we've 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 made some good decisions and we've made some poor decisions that we've had to backtrack through and hey we thought you know this could happen with this person and they weren't the right person or hey that person was the right person so filling in our own our own gaps has been a has been a learning process too so it's been a very challenging uh experience but i wouldn't trade it for the world absolutely i certainly can relate to that i think the the ups absolutely outweigh all of the downs and the challenges and the lessons. And it's really exciting to be building something that you're proud of and you believe in. Uh, So I certainly resonate with that statement. Is there anything you wish you knew when you first got started on this journey or? Mm, Well, I'm I'm so glad I didn't know how hard it was going to be. I don't know (laughs) that I would have ever got in if I knew that, but uh, I, you know, I, I wish that um, I think the power of, of strategy um, in my previous or in my finance role, you know, my objectives are very direct and they're very specific. And so, although I do some strategy work, a lot of my work is execution in the, uh, in the watch world and, and in our this small business, you know, we, we become, I became, and still am so passionate about what the watch is. And, um, I just said, Hey, this is, this is going to set the world on fire. And although it's been successful, it certainly has not been as easy as you just show up and people just immediately embrace you. So I think, uh, having more strategy up front around, Hey, this is the full business plan. This is how we're going to do that. That took me a couple of years to really figure out and iron out. Um, now we're in a, in a good place, but yeah, I wish uh, if I could go back and tell myself one thing, I would have said, you know, really uh, seek counsel from folks that have done this before. Uh, you know, be quick to admit what you don't know, and uh, and ask for help, um, and then you know, really leverage your network. And so, I think I was a little hesitant to do all three of those things in the beginning, but it's it's um, yeah, again, it's been a learning process, and, uh, and and I've certainly learned those lessons either either easily or or the hard way. But, mm. They're learned at this point. No, that's that's certainly fair. As a smaller company, have you and you you touched on really pouring into the customers? Have you made a lot of iterations to the design based on feedback, um, or is it really kind of tough to be that nimble because you have had to invest so much up front? Yeah, yeah. So so uh, so we launched our first generation was two hundred and fifty watches, and we sold through those. Um, and we did make, uh, we made a couple structural changes based on client feedback from our first generation to our second generation watch. Um, just understanding, you know, what did they really love about the watch and let's, you know, let, let's keep the heart of what we're doing. Um, where, you know, are there areas that we can win on the margins and change things? And so we took that feedback. Uh, we certainly made those changes and improvements, um, and then really just checked in with them. Uh, you know, how do you, how do you like the watch? How, how are you, how are you doing? You know, how do we, uh, how do we plug you into our network also? You know, is there someone else who's bought this watch that it would be great for you to meet? So we've tried to create this family around the watch that, um, that we're proactively trying to generate value outside of just owning the watch. Um, and then other things like, you know, giving, you know, free bands away. You know, most watch companies will charge, you know, three, $400 for a leather watch strap. 
I'd rather just give you an extra one because uh, that to me is, is, is a great way to enhance your experience. And if you've had a great experience with Sablier, you're going to uh, tell your friends about it. And so um, those are the kind of things that we've done to invest in our, in our watch community and to our clients. I love the thought of the different straps as well. I mean, there's also, I imagine, a factor of if they have different options, they're wearing the watch more frequently. Um, so you're kind of removing that barrier just right there. That's, that's exactly right. So we, we've made a point to have a very diverse set of uh, watch uh, strap colors, uh, uh, different, different leathers, non-leathers, uh, all different straps. So the way that, um, and, and we've made it very, very easy to change the straps. So my partner created this quick release pin system to where you can actually change the watch strap with your fingernail. You don't need a special tool. You don't need to bring it to the jeweler. And so when it takes you 15 to 20 seconds to change your watch strap and you have multiple watch strap colors and it looks like a different watch every time you change your strap, you're more likely to wear the watch. And so we've, we've, um, that's really been our philosophy and that's what we've, we've tried to double down on. I think that's great. I think it's extremely smart. What do you envision as next on the horizon for you and Sablier? That's a great question. So currently right now we're all on the East Coast. Um, we definitely have West Coast presence as far as we've got clients that have bought from the West Coast, but we don't have any West Coast jeweler presence. And so um, we, we think within the next six months, uh, we will be in uh, Napa, Sonoma, and uh, and San Fran. And so that's, that's our goal is to get to the West Coast, uh, fill out the, the Eastern Seaboard. Right now we're in Atlanta, Charlotte. Uh, we're in New York, we're in Princeton, we're in Boston. And so we are trying to, you know, hit some of the other, um, Eastern seaboard cities, Miami, uh, Philadelphia, you know, DC, and then get to the West coast. But the West coast is next for us. Uh, it's certainly going to tie with the wine theme. Uh, then also we just, uh, we, we've had so many clients out there that have just said, if you had a storefront, if you had a partner out here, we've got a ton of friends that would love to you know, would love to buy and be clients of Sapier. So it's been, um, you know, that that's what's next for us. That's really exciting. And logistically, is it is it difficult to, I mean, when I think wine, I also think Europe and Italy specifically. I mean, is that, is that at all a goal or? Um... Yeah. So the long-term goal is to have, uh, not to be big, but to be good, I would say, you know, we, we want to have no more than 25 jeweler partners and we just want to be excellent partners to them. I, um, I had to step back a couple of years ago and say, you know, what are some of the tough things that I, that I struggle with, with my finance job? And a lot of it was time away from family and traveling and being on the road. And so I said, well, the last thing that I want to do is, you know, with Sablier, um, I don't want to create what I didn't like from my previous job. And so let me be really thoughtful about building this. So I'm not rebuilding something that I'm, you know, considering leaving. So, um, we, we've really stepped back and said, let's, let's make uh, a few very deep, but impactful relationships. And so we certainly see that extending, um, to those wine countries that you mentioned. And, and I would say, um, you know, the, probably the largest 10 to 12 international cities that we'd like to be in. But I want to make it so it's manageable. I want to make it so it um, we're able to still keep our hand on the pulse with our clients, still be 
uh, everything that we want to be to them and service them in the right way. Our goal is not to be big. So we will go internationally. I think we've got a couple more years before we do that. We currently sell internationally. So to, to your international listeners, we certainly do sell there, but, uh, but we don't currently have a storefront there. So I would say in the next couple of years, that'll be, that will be, uh, that will be up there. Well, very, very exciting. Sam, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about your journey and, you know, learn more about the watches and perhaps buy one? Yeah. So you can uh, follow us on Sablier Watches uh, on Instagram, on Facebook. It's S-A-B-L-I-E-R, Watches. Um, we're at sablierwatches.com. You can find our story there, pictures of the watches, our Instagram, our Facebook. You'll find a lot of ways there. You can interact with us there. If you're listening to us in Atlanta, we have two jeweler partners in Atlanta. Uh, the first one is Solomon Brothers. They're based in Buckhead at Tower Place. Uh, they've got an awesome, huge showroom. The other is uh, Highland Diamond. They're based in Virginia Highlands. Uh, it's a smaller jeweler, but they're great guys. They've got a, uh, a really uh, nice collection of different uh, jewelry and art there, and they carry our watch as well. And so uh, those are the two spots in the Atlanta area. Um, and you can always just email me as well. Uh, I answer all my email uh, directly. It's sam at sablierwatches.com. And uh, we love telling our stories. So if nothing else, you've heard this podcast and you want to listen uh, and learn more, I love telling our story uh, and answering any and all questions, whether it be about the business, entrepreneurship, or the watch. Well, thank you, Sam. I really appreciate your time. And I can't wait to look at all of the different watch straps myself. So I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.